Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stegman and his amazing friends. Uh, as usual, what's up? I am Griffin Sheridan, uh, here hosting this show with my good buddy, Ryan Stegman. How's it going, man? Hey, I don't know, I'm good, how are you? Good, even though we were just talking for 10 yeah, minutes, yeah, now yeah, we're acting yeah, yeah. like we're not. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of podcasts, you get to have your, your catch-up chat before, and then you gotta just fake it all at the right. beginning. Me and Ethan do it every week. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we maybe said too much, now we have nothing to talk about. Ah, damn it, you're absolutely right, actually. <laughs> uh welcome back everybody um this is episode three thank you so much for uh the support you know we put up episode two uh last week and we're um we're growing we finally got on apple podcasts we finally got onto google podcasts uh we still gotta wait a few more weeks till we get onto spotify uh everybody's still asking about that but um no worries it's on the way uh but yeah thank you once again for another uh awesome um awesome set of reactions to that episode um, obviously, that was part two of, uh, of our discussion with Donnie Cates. Um, and this week, uh, we've got, uh, we don't necessarily have a guest, um, but if you were paying attention to Ryan's Twitter, you know today uh, we're going to talk about um, just some, some great art tips for anybody, some uh, young and up and coming artists, anybody looking to uh, get into art, um, any sort of tips that uh, the master himself can uh can give us uh ryan how are we gonna kick this off what do you want to talk about first well so basically um i think that uh a lot of people give me they will say like i've been following your art for a while it's always cool to see how you've uh improved Mm -hmm. um so i i think that there's a reason that i improve and i think there's a reason that some artists don't necessarily you know they kind of come in and there's one thing and that's pretty much what they stay but you know my favorite artists have always been the ones that you can see their arc as they you know they get better over time i mean there are you know that obviously there's geniuses out there that just come in fully formed and you know screw them but um (laughs) i also get asked these questions over and over and over and um i like answering them it's just can get a little tedious when it's the same answer answer. all the time right yeah so i'm hoping Mm -hmm. this can kind of be the end all be all of um you know what like how i went about getting to where i am now Mm -hmm. um we'll we'll probably go into some career stuff later um but first you know i just wanted to talk about the books that i thought because i i'm kind of um i'm obsessive about uh learning and the, the books that can help me learn and now there's this whole YouTube and every you know, as a kid, I would have killed for that, but I didn't have that. So I have all these yeah. books that I have around that yeah. uh, I've learned from. So I'm just kind of going to go through some of these and then we'll take some questions from people who have questions about, you know, what we do. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, the ver- I have these uh, assorted in kind of level of importance, but, um, you know, there's this, this is the first book. It's uh, Figure Drawing for All It's Worth by uh, Andrew Loomis. This book um, is incredible. It covers perspective. It covers how to um, uh, place your characters in a scene. Um, it covers how to build your figure from like a cartooning standpoint. And Loomis was one of the greatest illustrators ever. But um, this book actually... I, it used to only be available in PDF. It was out of print forever. So I actually have another copy mm-hmm. of it. Um, actually, <clears throat> here that um, I had bound. And nice. I had it printed out and bound at um, Kinko's a long That's time awesome. ago. Um, 
but then they started reprinting it, so now you can get it on um, on Amazon. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's got um, all of the musculature, everything that you would ever need. Um, basically, all of it is um, is in here. Now, this isn't going to cover storytelling, really. This is going to mm-hmm. be your basics for um, illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another book that I don't have here, and the reason for that is. And this is probably the most important book. It's uh, How to Draw (laughs) Comics the Marvel Way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have that here to show because I, what I tend to do is if kids come over, like my nieces or nephews, they show interest in drawing. I'm like, here, start with this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now that's like the very, the very first book you should get because it covers all the basics. Now Mm -hmm. I I think that you would have to be able to um, expand beyond that in order to. Um, really become a comic book artist fully, yeah, but uh, it has. All, I mean, it's it's such a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so the first two are the the how to draw comics the Marvel way and figure drawing for all it's worth by Andrew Loomis. Um, so I'll I'll interject real quick. So when did uh when did that book in particular, or I guess any of these, when did these come into your life and your in your career? Uh, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way came into my life, I think, between third and fifth grade when I, I, one of my friends was into drawing comics and he had it. And I was, I, I mean, it's like a Bible. It's unbelievable. I mean, you got a lot of the art in it is by John Buscema, who's, you know, one of the great, you know, probably Mount Rushmore of comic book artists, superhero yeah. comic book artists, top five, probably top two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the best figure artists that ever lived. And, uh, you know, he kind of goes, you know, he goes in there and shows you everything that you need to know. Um, the figure drawing for all it's worth, unfortunately has a lot of nudity in it. So (laughs) obviously I didn't come across that till I was, you know, 15 or 16 or something like that. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of, um, I sought that out back when I was doing all the, um, you know, posting online and getting critiques and, mm-hmm. you know, people would say, fix your figure drawing here, you know, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. So the next book is um, Will Eisner's Comics and Sequential Art. Uh, now this book, Will Eisner is, you know, one of the greatest comic book artists ever, probably, mm-hmm. you know, there's no question about that. But he, mm-hmm. in this book, he goes through and really shows you how much um, all the aspects of a comic book can be used to tell a story. Um, I think that, you know, if you look at Frank Miller's storytelling or, you know, more modern, modern artists, um, the, the really great storytellers take so much from Will Eisner. And it, this mm-hmm. is just kind of a book that he lays out all of his secrets. And it's not, it's not like he tells you specifically do this and then do this, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he, but he is very much, um, uh, kind of giving you his theories and then really kind of expanding your mind on how much is available to you. Cause you get used to like doing a, um, a, uh, superhero thing or, you know, and you're just kind of like trying to replicate your favorites, Jim Lee or whoever it is when you're trying yeah. to do superhero comics. And he, um, goes through and um, breaks it down to a much greater uh, degree so that you realize like that's why I like to add my own sound effects and because I realized how much 
through him, I realized how much uh, lettering can change what you you're doing on the page and how much you can integrate that. And so like, mm-hmm. and, you know, if I could, I would hand letter everything, but that would take forever and it'd be ridiculous. But of course, yeah. uh, you know, there's all kinds of valuable, valuable information in there. Absolutely. And I think um, something that I want to draw on there, and I think, you know, some people are, uh, I think, really aware of this. And some people, and, you know, when we get into the the Twitter questions, I was already kind of uh, seeing some of this. And, you know, a lot of people are asking uh, stuff like, you know, how can I improve like this aspect of the literal illustration of it all? And here, you know, we're talking about how uh, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's more than just being able to just draw a really good Venom or a really good whoever. Um, it's, it's about being able to tell that story, um, through the images, uh, you know, at just as much as everything else, you know, you were right. saying that everything it's, it's a whole machine, you know, just mm-hmm. like pretty much any sort of collaborative piece of art, you know, it's a, it's a script, it's the pencils, it's the right. inks, it's the colors, it's the lettering, all of it is being used to, to tell this story. Um, and so that's obviously such a crucial part of, um, of the illustrating process is, you know, you're interpreting these words and you have to be able to get their meaning across without mm-hmm. anybody, you know, actually really reading them, uh, of course, right. except for uh, the dialogue. And so, um, you know, so much goes into that. If you look at, you know, uh, just as an example, I don't know, uh, Venom, a little book called Venom. Um, you know, obviously you've got uh, your your pencils in there are doing work and Donnie's, uh, Donnie's dialogue is doing work. But then also you get the lettering is, you mm-hmm. know, the lettering is different for Eddie. It's different for uh, for the symbiote. Everything mm-hmm. around there is like helping tell the story. And uh, obviously I don't even need to talk about inks and colors because that's so clearly like yeah. creating an overall tone for that. Um, right. So, yeah, it's it's so much more, I think, than um, than just getting figure and perspective down. Obviously that's super important if you want it to, you know, to look great and, uh, and to have your style or whatever. Um, but the storytelling aspect, of course, I tend to think of it as there are three sort of, I mean, there's, there's more than this, but there's three tiers of comic book storytelling, right? Like, so there's, Mm -hmm. uh, you can just, um, you can just be doing pretty drawings and not worrying about the story. Um, you can be uh, conveying the story, which is, I you know that's if you can convey a story, that's all you really need to do. You just you got to make sure yeah. it conveys. Like I talked, you to, need about, to do like right. that's objective number one. Right, make sure it's clearly defined to what's happening. Right, and then there's this sort of three dimensional storytelling where you're using everything and you're mm-hmm. in complete control of everything. And there's very few guys that do the 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 third you know, the highest tier, there's a yeah. ton, there's a lot more guys than you like to think that do the lowest tier, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot. And it, and it it's can like be a lot of style over substance, right. you know, or maybe not even style, just. Right. You'll go into a comic sometimes substance. and you're like, like, this is hard for me to figure out what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so I've talked about this with Donnie sometimes. I'm like, when he, when they're looking for an artist, I'm like, well, he, this guy will convey the story. At least you know that. Like this, um, you don't have to worry about people not getting what you're writing if yeah. this guy is doing it or this girl, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think that the beauty of uh, Will Eisner's book is making you realize that there are three dimensions to storytelling, and mm-hmm. that that can totally expand the way that you um, approach what you're doing. So yeah. awesome, yeah. All right, next up we've got a. Uh, 
George Bridgman's Complete Guide to Drawing from Life. I don't know if this particular iteration of the book is still in print. I know that when I was younger, I learned about this book because this is apparently the one that Jim Lee swore by um, when he would talk about books that he read to uh, get better and understand anatomy. And this book mm-hmm. has all kinds of great um, anatomy information. Uh, it's It really is a straight... Uh, draw how to draw it's it's more like a, a guide to when you go and you do life drawing what's happening with the body so that you're thinking about what's happening inside of the body versus what's happening on the surface yeah um, he's got these great chapters on wedging passing and locking which are not things that any other book I know of talks about which is just the way that um, the body parts fit together and they yeah. they you can get so much more life out of your drawings if you understand um, how these things um, fit to how the body fits together in a again like it's it's a similar thing it's like he takes a fi- figure drawing and gives you another dimension to think about it in so and it, yeah it's, the it, the anatomy of it all right there's a I, I do feel like I actually came to this book a little too, too early in my uh, drawing life where I didn't understand mm-hmm. it. It was like I knew how to do algebra and somebody gave me a calculus book and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. This. This but then, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, I got older and I was got better. And mm-hmm. then I picked it back up and I was like, I get, I'm, I'm ready for this now. So I wouldn't say that to start with this one, but, you know, you start with figure drawing for all it's worth. Come of to course. this one later. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. Next up, we have a book called Force. This is by Mike Mattisai. Of course. Michael D. Mattisai. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Force Dynamic Life Drawing for Animators. You, you'll notice as we go through a lot of these that I, I lean on animation books quite a bit. I love animation books. They have so much information in them that we don't tend to think about in comics. We're just like learning how to mm-hmm. draw figures in motion. But, you know, you don't think about squash and stretch, which are all these important concepts, but um, force is even a further expansion of it's, it's like a, it's like he's elaborating yeah. um, on the idea of wedging, passing and locking and stuff like that from George Bridgman. And I, I can't even get into how it all works because it would be like, you know, it's yeah, but it was hugely helpful to me and uh, it's, sh- yeah. It, you it's can, a super technical. If if you think that my art is dynamic, which I think I get that mm-hmm. that is one of the things that's what I'm going for. That's my goal, right? <laughs> um, that's what I want. I like to I like to be able to draw something in two dimensions. It absolutely that is. Looks right, like no it's words. breathing and moving. <laughs> and this book was like you know so helpful in mm-hmm. helping me attain that. Yeah, that's awesome because you know we uh. We have these these comics, of course, that have to imply movement, right? And so you're talking about mm-hmm. the 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 benefit of studying animation, which is, of course, you know, if a comic book could move, it would be that. Um, right. You look at obviously like Spider Verse. Spider Verse is like just expanding on the the movement that the comics are implying, right? Right. Uh, and that's that's part of the reason why that that movie is so beautiful, and part of the reason why comics are awesome is because you know it it takes that uh, sort of if the imagination of the illustrator and the reader. Um, like put together to to make it all make it all flow, and obviously um, artists like yourself that can add that depth to it, 
mm-hmm. um, of course, just make the storytelling that much more invigorating. Right. It 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 makes it's vi- makes it more visceral for mm-hmm. the reader. And and the other thing about animation is you would think that their goal is multiple drawings to create a movement. But mm-hmm. the the fascinating thing to me about animation is that every single individual image mm-hmm. moves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you would think that they would just lean on, uh, well, you know, I'll figure this out as the movement develops slowly. But each yeah. individual frame or keyframe, mm-hmm. as they call them, because they have in-betweeners and all that, but they they all have their they all have life and movement and you know so you can, there's so much you can learn from that uh next we've got framed ink by marcos marcos mathieu mestre <laughs> that's my my french pronunciation uh it was beautiful yeah thank you um this book you know more on storytelling he's a storyboard artist one of the best in the world um has all kinds of tips about where to place the camera how to f- mm-hmm. uh it's called framed ink. It's about framing your shots and yeah. how to use black to guide the eye around. And, you know, you look at somebody like, um, a Sean Murphy in comics. I feel like mm-hmm. he, he knows this stuff innately. So maybe he doesn't need to read this, but <laughs> I feel like I understood what he was doing better, but after reading this book and Gabriel Hardman's another one, but he's a, uh, he's also a storyboard artist and they seem to have this, uh, this discipline down of framing your shots so well, you know, in a sort of film type way, which is, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, there's something to learn from storyboard artists. There's something to learn from animators that, you know, Mm -hmm. bring the, and then you bring these things back to comics. So there's very few comic, very few good books that are like, actually, this is how you make comics. So I've cobbled together this thing, these things over all time of that, that I think bring me back to, how to do comic books absolutely right and you know art is you know art is art right you find it uh, anywhere and mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to just stick to one particular medium either you know right. it can all help you right you can watch a movie and you can get an idea of how you want to uh, execute something in a comic right uh, or or you can paint a still life and realize mm-hmm. oh this is how i can do this if i translate it to another thing in photography or film or what absolutely have you. yeah it's all gonna help you because it's all just it's 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 you know it's the eye right it's mm-hmm. you figuring out uh, a scene an image um and sometimes you know it involves placing a whole bunch next to each other sometimes it's just doing one uh but yeah it, it i think it's super important to go outside outside of the realm that you're used to go outside of your uh, uh, of your comfort zone, per se, mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, well, I really like comics and I really want to do comics. And so you just study comics, 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 which I'm sure is going to be useful, um, but is also like, I think you're restraining yourself. Like, it's For all sure. out there to help you. Yeah. I mean, even I've been uh, reading the Walter Isaacson Da Vinci biography. Nice. And I feel mm-hmm. like I didn't I didn't go into that reading it thinking I'm going to learn a bunch about what I do with drawing mm-hmm. uh, new things that I can apply to my drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into it just because I wanted to read a biography about Da Vinci. Yeah. And I learned so much from because he he goes through and he breaks down the paintings and, you know, he talks about the things that Leonardo uh held as the you know the most important expressions of his art mm-hmm. uh, it even goes into one point about uh why he hated michelangelo's paintings <laughs> and everything That's great um and 
just you know so you i'm just taking another artist perspective and bringing it back to my comic book work and i think that absolutely i also realized how much of a an influence he ended up being on somebody like john Buscema and frank frazetta um <clears throat> which i never really had realized before but they definitely come from like an italian renaissance approach sure um, yeah. but you know that's a tangent anyway <laughs> um okay so perspective is immensely important. Like I said, there's, there's mm-hmm. good information on perspective in that um, figure drawing for all it's worth. There's not all the information you need. So there's a book that I don't have here because again, I gave it away. Um, I need to rebuy it. I, I actually have multiples of some books because people then give them back to me and I'm like, Oh, I already bought that, but now yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, this one is called um, perspective for comic book artists by David Chelsea. Uh, David Chelsea was like a, I think it was a New York Times. He would do these comics for the New York Times. I don't really know his work much, but he had this uncanny understanding of perspective. And he um, goes into great detail on how to, you know, set up your vanishing points, how to make things recede into the distance, all kinds of stuff like that. And he, um, he actually, I would say, goes into too much detail you get to a point where you're like okay i'm never going to use this i mean the the amount of stuff i eyeball now you know i used to try to do it but i think that i learned from overdoing it and now i know when i'm overdoing it i don't have to do that as much so that's a really really great book that along with that i have this book um by scott robertson he's a concept artist you know again going outside of comic books Mm -hmm. um he's a comic book artist he does a lot of movie stuff um he's got several books um, this one is called How to Draw, Drawing and Sketching Objects and Environments from Your Imagination. Um, th- so th- it doesn't say up top that it's going to be mostly about perspective, but it's really about perspective. And mm-hmm. again, you know, there's, a, there's actually some really great um, tips, but you're going way beyond what you really need to know mm-hmm. to do comics. Um, I mean, he even goes into how to mathematically calculate your shadows and stuff. And it's wow. like, nobody's <laughs> going to know. All I have to do is make it somewhat believable and everybody will yeah, it'll be, be fine. fine. <laughs> but I still read it all because I'm a psychopath and uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. I mean, it's it's got all kinds of great stuff in here that I would have never known and little shortcuts for how to measure things as they recede, things that I, you know, whatever. Okay, then I have Rendering in Pen and Ink by Arthur L. Guptill. Uh, Great name, Arthur L. Guptill. This book kind of goes into... He he seems to be more interested in landscape um, uh, drawing, but he um, breaks down how the different types of inking... There's there's actually like very um, different types of... I mean, obviously, you see that there's different types of inking when you look at comic books, but there are t- types that I wouldn't have known that they were like as divided as they are. Where basically you can't cross over these two, you know, two or three types. Um, so you know, you, he he kind of shows you how a Mobius. He doesn't talk about Mobius, but he's showing you what that type of inking is, and then he's going into. Um, you know, what brush type inkers do. And he kind of, he talks about framing your shots and all that stuff. And so, yeah, this, uh, this 
one I came to probably only like four years ago. And it was when I was trying to figure out what I'm doing with my um, finished art, how I'm getting, you know, I'm how I'm getting to where I'm going. Um, so, yeah, it's a good one. Something I want to pick up right there, you know, you just said that, you know, you came to this book about, you know, four years ago, which, of course, is nowhere near uh, the beginning of your of your career. And so the, the thing is, like, you never stop, right? You never stop. Oh, no. learning. It's not like you read these books once or you read like three of these books when you're starting off and now you're, now you're great. Now you're, uh, now you're drawing books or whatever. Um, you just got to keep looking, keep learning. Well, I mean, we even talked about, I went back to the bridge yeah, right? stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, some of these ones that are coming up, I'm, I'm only reading right now actually in there, you know, it, there, there's always something to be learned always. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can get a book now and I'm like, I know what they're saying 95% of this, but that 5% is what I'm, I'm there for. And yeah, right. if I get that 5%, then I mean, there's books that I open up and I'm like, this is, this is, this book is stupid. This is not even sure. accurate on how you do this. And then, but then I will, there will be just one little nugget and it makes like, it all worth oh. it, you know? Yeah. So next uh, I have color and light. A Guide for the Realist Painter by James Gurney. Um, and this is about painting, which I don't do. But there's mm-hmm. great information about color. Um, this this book actually, sadly enough, uh, Justin Ponzer, who passed away recently, one of the greatest colorists ever, um, I was sitting down with him one time and I said, what's the one book you would recommend to me to learn how to, to use color and how to do what you do? And this was the book that he recommended to me. Um, and what I ended up, the thing that I took away from it the most was the, um, the understanding of value and of uh, e- just how shadows work. There's a real, some mm-hmm. really good information on how shadows work that I had never thought of. You know, like I thought I knew what shadows exactly how they worked, but turns out <laughs> I only knew like the slightest bit. So this really yeah. made me... Um, sort of reevaluate what I was doing with light and shadow, and it and it definitely immediately translated to results where I then knew how to um, how to draw from instead of trying to draw like my favorite artists, I was then actually using the information that I had to make better, you know, decisions that made mm-hmm. it more realistic. Yeah. Not not realistic because my art's not realistic, but it gave it a more grounded Just gave it some some look. life, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, you know, I think. There's there's something in there that you just said that I think really points out to like you know I think with all of this stuff you know you can you can read all this you can take it all with this um this sort of technical view right and you could be uh, an an excellent like illustrator per se but um, I think the true mark of 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 somebody that's uh that's got it and has uh, really started honing their craft is when they start making it their own right you right. can do all these things and you can draw a great figure but like you were just saying you know you've you went ahead and you were like adding your thing to it, add your style to it. And so you take these figures and everything, but then how do you make them your own? Um, right. And, and I think that's, a, that's a just as crucial as learning how to do all this is also learning what you like and how you do it. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, cause that's, what's going to make it special. 
that's something that I feel like I've come into in the past few years even. Like I've been doing this professionally for now 12 years or something. Mm-hmm. Insane. Um, but I feel like until the last couple of years, I feel like almost all my decisions were like, what would so-and-so do in this situation? How would so-and-so mm-hmm. do this? You know, but now I just sure. do it how I'm going to do it. And I feel like you can see that in the end result. Can we just say that Ryan Stegman's art like a, like a, it's just like a fine wine. You're just getting better with age, my man. Are you kidding me? Uh, maybe, maybe I'll finally get to where I'm <laughs> headed. Like when I'm 85, <laughs> And you and Donnie are writing Venom 500 or whatever. I won't be able to see what I'm doing anymore, but (laughs) (laughs) it's okay. You'll just be like this blind guru and people will come to you and be like, teach me. And you're like, wax on, wax off or whatever. And then you've drawn an awesome, an awesome Spider-Man or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. But like, yeah, like when I look back at like your, uh, that, uh, that one-off issue you did of ASM, uh, six something, 665 maybe. Um, you look at that, you look at Superior, um, and Scarlet in between that, and then uh, and then where you're at with Venom right now, and they mm-hmm. all feel they all feel very uh, you, but you can just see your progression, you can see your right. style growing and changing, and it's like honestly, at least from a you know uh, from a fan perspective, it's been like super awesome to just follow your career uh, and to get Thank to this you. point where you like you can feel like I when when we're reading Venom, like you can feel. That you really feel like uh, in your in your wheelhouse and like you're that you're doing something awesome here, and it comes across. And so, hey, well, thank you. Hey, you're a pretty good, dude. You're pretty good. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Your pencils are fine. <laughs> Don't let it go to your head, Ryan. <laughs> All right. Well, well, shut up and tell me more books or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or whatever. You know what? I'm, I'm going to get you some books on uh, on c- podcast conversationing. <laughs> Just Podcast hosting for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're getting into the animation stuff. I've got two books here. These are the ones I've I said that um, I have been reading lately. They're by Walt Stanchfield. Um, he's a Disney animator who uh, I think that basically what I've gathered is he was very good at conveying what it was that he does. So he became sort of a you know a the de facto teacher at um, Disney Animation, and these these are two books. They're called Drawn to Life, Volume One and Volume Two, um, and they're just collections of his lectures. So some of the lessons are super short. Some of them are a little bit longer. So it can get a little repetitive because they really didn't um, do anything but collect them uh, in like their original form, uh, but the information in there is, you know, invaluable. Like I use, I have in the middle, I think that in the middle of Absolute Carnage, number one, mm-hmm. I started reading these. Um, and so that's just a couple months or last month. Yep. And um, I could see by the time I got to the end of that issue, because it was 60 pages, um, mm-hmm. I from page one to page 60, I could see a difference in my art. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't dramatic and the fans probably won't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. But I learned, I got really obsessed with squash and stretch, which is an animation principle, which you'll have to read about to understand. Yeah. Uh, and all ki- the, the gesture and just all these things that he really harps on. Um, 
And so I started, it started seeping into my work almost immediately and uh, gave it so much more life. So uh, these books are fantastic. Um, Just, yeah, I'm still, I'm so into them right now. So I'm, I'm like extra glowy about them. Now, another figure drawing book, Figure Drawing, Design, and Invention by Michael Hampton. This one came to me about two years ago, I would say. Mm-hmm. This one's really interesting because he is the first guy to... I mean, I guess Bridgman kind of did this, but but his angle on figure drawing is very much um, that he, he breaks down the three-dimensional form of each part of the body. So... I actually will lean on this sometimes when I'm trying to draw something I've never drawn before, where I'll go in and look at how, you know, exactly the pelvis is in three dimensions. And um, that makes all the difference. And so that was, you know, it just it just made my figures more solid. Like like a John Romita Jr., you look at it and you're like, how is everything so solid? <laughs> Jack Kirby, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um the reason is because they have such mastery of, over the three-dimensional forms. Um, and so this book can somewhat help you get there. You're still going to have to do all the legwork to figure it out, but, you know. All right, and this is the last one. So, uh, The Illusion of Life, Disney Animation. Nice. By Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston. This is I've bought this book so many times now and given it away so many times. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it's got all, you know, it's got all the... Like it's got bits of the Walt Stanchfield information about squash and stretch. It's really just about um, the early days of Disney animation, but it actually ends up having a ton of info in it that you you know they could have broken it out into its own how-to book. Like all the things that Walt like that's where Walt Disney's animation genius came from because he wasn't the world's greatest animator. He was great at it figuring out what he wanted in animation though, and then telling other people how to do it, and so. You're almost reading this history of them recounting when he started saying, oh, here's what we're trying, you know, this is how you do this. And Mm -hmm. they would work on it and work on it and work on it until they got it right. And so he basically, they created the uh, basis for, you know, all animation that we see now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he, um, learning about it this way really helped it to uh, materialize and become a real thing that I could do in my own art. Uh, Ollie Johnston here, that's where I came, got the name Oliver for my son. Nice. Um, so <clears throat> this book's just, I mean, it's the best. So Sweet. I, I keep it around. I like to like keep it on the coffee table, hope somebody will take a look at it. You know? Yeah. But nobody cares as much as I do, so it's never really <laughs> quite worked out that way yet. But Some of the listeners uh, do. Some of, uh, some of our amazing friends certainly do, I guarantee you. Yeah. I'm about to cost them like a thousand bucks on books here. So. <laughs> books, yeah, it's okay. It's the education. It's important, right? Um, oh, one other thing I didn't get into: Glenn Vilpu, V I L P P U. He's a. I don't have. I have his book, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find it for this. Um, it's stowed away, st- stashed away somewhere. But he does these figure drawing DVDs or online. You can download them online. He was a Disney guy. He w- he was tasked with teaching them figure drawing and life drawing, mm-hmm. and so he has these videos that were tremendously helpful. I mean, he goes. It's like one video is like three hours on the arm. Yeah, and he talks about the, how the he he starts with the bones, and then he builds up from the bones to the muscles. And he, the the big thing I learned from him was. The idea of that every muscle has an origin and an insertion point, and that means it, it attaches to the bone at two different places. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And once I learned that, it kind of opened things up for me. And I know that, you know, that's another thing I learned from that Da Vinci book is that the Renaissance artists were taught to draw the figure from the skeleton. Then they put uh, uh, muscle on it. Then they put skin on top of that. Then they put clothes on. It's not an efficient way to draw, but it's <laughs> no. a great way to learn yeah. um, how all that works. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, before we uh, get to Twitter questions, Ryan, you got a you got a couple books. You got a book coming out pretty soon. Yeah, the sketchbook. Oh, it's already out. Oh, it's the already sketchbook. out. Yeah, the yeah. Hey, we, uh, you can the Ryan Stegman sketchbook. You can get that. I think it's on essentialsequential.com, uh, or you can just get it from me at a convention. I think they're shipping worldwide right now, though. So people have been messaging me saying they got theirs. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! It's yeah, pretty cool. It's got a lot of a lot of venom pencils and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, well, first, congrats. Second, uh, what do you think? Um, what do you think people can take away from from that book in particular? Um. That book is more, you're just kind of seeing uh, how, what what it looks like before. You're going to see the pencils and then you're going to see the inks, how my drawing looks versus how JP's looks. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see like, you can see some of the light blue underdrawing and all that. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of see what my thought process was. I think that if you break it down enough, you can, you can, that's why I like sketchbooks. You can kind of see how the artist was thinking and what they were trying to achieve. And uh, yeah, so sketchbooks are always an, in, an invaluable thing that I like to pick up at conventions and, you know, you just keep them around you at all times and absolutely flip through them and they're great for the back of the toilet as well. So. <laughs> So uh, next up, guys, you know, Ryan put out a tweet uh, asking for your, uh, some of your guys' questions over, uh, over there on Twitter. And so we're going to get to some of those right now. Um, I'm sorry if we don't get to, get, don't get to yours. Uh, uh, thankfully, we got, obviously, a bunch of really wonderful responses. We're going to try to get to as many as possible. And as always, if I butcher your name, I am very sorry. <laughs> um, but this first one uh, is, uh, is uh, I think, a really good place to start. Um, uh, it's from Yehia Mahran, um, and he's got, uh, or he or she, sorry, um, has a couple of really great questions. So, so first up, um, uh, what are some of the best exercises for line artists in particular? I just drawing. I, I don't mm-hmm. like. I don't do exercises. I don't know if that's because I've spent my whole life drawing, or if there is such a thing. Like I think I've seen people doing stuff before. Um, I've never done any of it. I just, uh, I think that as you draw more and you, I, th- I you, you start to get better, uh, dexterity with your hands naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, what's oh fine motor skills. Yeah. Like, uh, I think you can hone them, but I don't know that you necessarily need to do anything other than just draw pictures. Cool. Absolutely. Right. Practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Next one, and uh, obviously this is a big one. We've got a lot of people asking about this, which is totally natural for anybody trying to uh, to get where you are at. Uh, and they ask tips for getting into the industry. Is mingling on Twitter a good way to meet writers and editors? 
I would say yes. Uh, I I didn't do it that way because Twitter wasn't around. Um, but I spent my time. I I I almost one hundred percent broke in via the internet. Uh, I back when I would do it, it was uh, digital webbing. Um, was this forum where you could post stuff and people would critique it, and you know you kind of end up making connections with people, such as you know me and uh, Mahmoud Azrar and yep. Ryan Otley were on there, and a lot of other guys that have made it now um and we kind of congregated there and uh now i think that the, the place to do mm-hmm. that is twitter or i don't know if Insta- instagram is not as interactive so and, and i don't really use facebook so i can't speak Absolutely, to that yeah. <laughs> but i use twitter and uh, i have noticed artists on there and yeah so i would say absolutely just, just don't be a jerk and yeah, then right. you know you're good <laughs> um is there any more to the to the point of I guess because um, we have so many people asking about like quote unquote getting into the industry? Um, should they be doing anything like in terms of putting portfolios together or reaching out to people? Oh right, uh, breaking in. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I mean you should always have. So even if it's like a Tumblr, right? If I see you say something to me, and or if I see something of your art, I want to be able to click something right away and go right to it. So you should have that readily available on your Twitter account or whatever email you send, a link at the bottom, whatever. Um, but yes, I mean, you, you have to have portfolio pieces. So you have to have your sequentials. You have to have um, your, uh, you know, cover samples or whatever. But what I found the most important thing is... Um, now, and I think that it may have been different back in the day when you could go to a convention and only the, you know, only the, the real warriors were going to go into a convention and get critiqued, but now they have these lineups of, you know, thousands of people. Um, I, the way I did it was I found a writer to work with. He had a concept. He wrote the story. Um, we made the comic book and then Marcosia Comics published it. And once I had a published work, then I was able to kind of use that to further my career. But I think that that was actually like the most important thing that I did was actually just get something made. And, you, and you know, everybody has access to the mm-hmm. Internet now. So you can, you know, I guess you don't even have to publish it. You, If you just made a web comic, you know, just make something um, that it's the same advice for writers like uh that's how writers get in now. They they make stuff, and then somebody at Marvel picks it up, and uh, that's how it all begins. So just uh, get out there, make connections with other, with writers, or write it yourself, and put out a web comic, put out whatever you can, uh, and just yeah, you got to make stuff to to get people to notice you. Absolutely. And um, I mean, I can speak to this and me, me and Ethan both can speak to this as young creatives ourselves. It's, you know, we were in such a time where obviously everyone's got the ability to make something and have it be like a relatively easy thing, like on a sort of a, a physical level to make something. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's so much there's so much content right now. Right. You know, Netflix right. has a billion shows and everybody mm-hmm. and their grandmother has a webcomic or whatever. Everyone's got mm-hmm. a YouTube channel. Um, everyone's got a podcast. Um, but ours is the best. And, yeah. um, you know, it's almost it's it's super daunting. Right. To look at the amount of stuff coming out from everybody. And it's super right. easy to look at all of that, I think, and go, 
ah, oh, this is a real bummer because like I'm, I really want my thing to stand out. I really want my thing to be right. original, which is of course, yeah, everybody does, and that that's that's awesome. Um, but also, I think that fear and that longing to really, really stand out just holds people back so much from just getting it done, right? And yeah. it's it's the most important part is to just pull the trigger. And if it's bad or if somebody's like, this is a total ripoff, um, it doesn't matter because at least you made it right. and somebody saw it and you got a reaction right. from somebody. You, you did the job, right? And it's so much better than just sitting in your sitting in your room, sitting in your office and not right. having it be out there and never even giving yourself the chance, right? Um, well, you're inevitably going to have failures. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the game. Uh, you're As a creative, you do end up having to work harder than everybody else uh, to get to where you want to be mm-hmm. um, because, you know, there's no just sending in your resume or whatever. Yeah. But the key is it, you can't think about, I, I want this to stand out. You think about, I want to make the best thing possible because mm-hmm. if it, be, it ends up being the best thing, it's going to stand out. Like there's nobody that's going to tell uh, Greg Capullo, you know, if he, if he came out fully formed and he made some web comic, yeah. there's nobody that's, not going to notice that. Mm-hmm. So you just keep making things and they get better and better. You read all the books I said. and uh, <laughs> You listen to this podcast. Then, yeah, you listen to this podcast and uh, you become better at what you do through osmosis mm-hmm. and it's easy. Yeah. Every, anybody can do it. <laughs> People sitting infuriatingly at their desk listening yeah. right now. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's because like I was saying, you know, the sort of back half of it is it is super daunting, but it's also, yeah, it's it's also really inspiring because you it just really pushed at least uh, uh, in, in my personal experience and in um, some people I know's experience like uh, it's it's more so inspiring, right? Is you see all the stuff yeah. coming out and you're like, yeah, exactly what you just said, right? You want to make the best thing uh, amongst right. all the stuff coming out. Uh, and so absolutely. That That's something I, sh- I should touch on is that I've always thought that. Um, it's my mindset has never been, I'm the best at this mm-hmm. or I'm there's, there's guys that you'll meet that do this thing. They're like, I know I'm better than so-and-so. And I've never thought that way. Um, the way that I've always thought is if I see somebody who is better than me, what I, I never think is I can never get to that level. I think I can figure out how to, if I work hard enough and, you know, try my hardest and really think about it and, and then I can figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. And that may not be true. I may never get to that. You know, I probably won't ever draw as well as John Buscema, but that mindset, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, you only, you're on this earth, you have, you know, this amount of time, just keep shooting for it. And to, I mean, the, the pursuit is the goal anyway. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the, poem Ithaca or whatever like <laughs> the journey is the thing yeah you know the end goal is not the satisfying part so no absolutely um and it's uh, I mean it's never really over regardless right no absolutely exactly. not so like and like you would like we were talking about earlier you're still reading these books you're still learning regardless of the fact that you are writing the the fucking best comic book in the world right now <laughs> well, I'm drawing it sorry Griffin. <laughs> wait that's not you Donnie what <laughs> sorry you're telling uh, but, you're telling the coolest story right now you're part yeah. of the team um and uh and that's awesome right and it's going to be awesome uh, absolute carnage hitting your shelves uh, in August um yeah there you go <laughs> but after that you're just gonna go back to work and you're just gonna try and 
try and top it. Doesn't matter that she did I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there there is a uh, you know, there's a shelf life on every on this series. You know, someday I won't be doing this one, but I'll, I'm sure I'll have new goals for the next one. You know. Absolutely. Let's see what else. What else? What else? Um, they had one more question, and let's see what it was. Oh yeah, how many hours? actual pencil on paper would you say uh should one be practicing well that see that's a tough question mm-hmm. if you're doing samples you do as you take as many hours as it needs to make it right so you redraw things you redo panels you just do it over and over until it's good because i remember as i said i did that book for marcosia mm-hmm. and I at one point did some timing stuff to try to figure out how long stuff was taking me. And they were taking me 40 hours per page. <laughs> I mean, I did, because I would just redo it and redo it and study in between. Yeah. Oh, I got to figure this out um, until I would get the page to look how I wanted. Like the only thing that you have at the beginning is taste, right? Like you have to look at what you're doing and say, is this what I wanted to do? Mm-hmm. If it, You can't look at something and be like, I don't know how to do that. So I'm just not going to do that. You have to be like, I have to figure out how to do that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of goes back to what I said before. But you have to force yourself to figure out how to do it. And uh, if that means you do it and it did, and it failed, then you do it again. So there is no real answer to this. I take 8 to 10 hours a page now mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes less. It just depends on the content of the page. But, I mean, that is way down from where I started at. And it, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was kind of a nightmare at first. It was mm-hmm. kind of drove me a little crazy. But um, you just, things get easier as you do it over and over and over. And, you know, like I said, one of the keys is if you work hard enough drawing something that you don't think you know how to draw and you get the result in the end, then that get stored in your brain and you can do it you can repeat it yeah. later mm-hmm. so it's a skill mm-hmm. wignor wagnor uh says how does shading work how do you do it ryan <laughs> well you're gonna have to read color and light um there's some good youtube videos on it too i don't know the names of them but i i did look at um i did learn some stuff recently through that with the there's the there's actually a part of the shadow called the Terminator, which was awesome. Dope. Uh, Dope. Bounce light, all that stuff. I mean, you can find all that information, but you can't. There's no way for me to just sit, sit here and say, here's how you do it. Yeah. You know, you, I would recommend learning from uh, real life um, and these, ty- these videos that sh- kind of explain how shadows work. Mm-hmm. Um, Rather than just trying to emulate the artists that do it because, you know, your favorite artist or whatever, because then you're going to end up with sort of like a generic uh, comic booky, you know, pastiche yeah. rather than uh, something that is original and looks natural. So some of you guys have uh, have some questions such as uh, Let's Talk Scream. I see you in here uh, talking about how to combat creative burnout. Um, and so obviously this uh, this episode is tips for artists. We got, uh, we're going to have one coming up that's uh, tips for storytellers. And so I think we're going to save that sort of stuff for then. So uh, just be on the lookout for when we tweet <laughs> tweet out asking about that one. Um, so uh, just, just be on the lookout because we're going to talk about that. And that's also going to be really good, just like this one. Um, so stay tuned. Anthony LaVercata, he says, uh, for the, the Art Tips podcast. Here we go. 
Uh, I've had a few low-level comic gigs for local companies. How would you recommend making your way up to the big two? So, talking about breaking in again. Um, I've had portfolio reviews, professional work, etc., but can't seem to get in contact with editors. Uh, help, please. Uh, example below. Uh, got a, a super dope picture of Spidey fighting the uh, possessed Venom. Don't know if you caught that on there, mm-hmm. Ryan. Um, super cool. So, you know, we were already touching on how to break in. And how to how to get in contact with people. Like, first off, also super cool example how to get in contact with people. We're connected. We met uh, because I tweeted at you, <laughs> right? And yeah. uh, and it just went from there. Internet is is an invaluable resource. As annoying as Twitter can be, and as as many shitheads are on Twitter, like just gotta bear through it, man. <laughs> um, and so I yeah. guess in particular, he's asking you know big two, Marvel and DC. Um, and for some people, like you know, that is the end all be all. Should, you know, should it be like, should people be super focused on that? Is it more so like, I guess, you know, if you really, if you're really passionate about those characters and those stories or uh, are there any specific tips for the big two? You know, I feel like I broke in, in a different era. Like I think we're in a different time right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer right now, mm-hmm. but I would say, that like I said, you just got to keep making stuff and putting it out there. Mm-hmm. I think he should have a web comic for sure, um, <clears throat> because I've seen his work and I think that it could work that way. You know, like I think it would it would do well. And then you just continue. You know, like I know I know Anthony now mm-hmm. um, because of Twitter and everything, and uh, so I think that he just needs to keep talking to people like that, like um, and keep doing stuff and it just i don't know like it's hard to explain but networking just is networking right like you just meet people and then you meet other people Mm -hmm. uh he should continue to go to conventions and and show stuff to anybody that he can um i felt like one thing so i i actually started working at marvel before i had ever met a marvel editor because i was doing this magician apprentice book and then uh, that company got bought by, I think I talked about this on the last episode, but that company got, got bought by Marvel and then I suddenly had Marvel editors. So, um, but I, I didn't feel like I had like a strong foothold at Marvel. Mm-hmm. So I still would go to portfolio reviews mm-hmm. and they, I think they thought that was funny. <laughs> you know, they'd meet me and they'd be like, don't you work for us already? <laughs> like, yeah, well, you know, I don't really know anybody, but yeah. you know. And uh, it, I met Mark Panicia, and I think he saw at the time, you know, I was a young, young, strapping young man, 22 or 23 or whatever, mm-hmm. 24 or something like that. And I think he saw that I was, I was like, please tell me what I can do to get better, you know. And he kind of, I, he, he kind of kept me afloat career-wise. So I think that networking opportunity that I took was actually hugely crucial to my career mm-hmm. um, because he kind of, I wasn't very good yet. But he saw something in me and he got to know me. And so that's, you know, that's how that ended up working out. So it's, it's you know, like I said, you just got to keep doing it and keep meeting people. And Absolutely. that's all you can do. Awesome. Um, I, so I'll bring this up real quick before we get to the next question. And before I forget, because uh, I was listening back to uh, – Episode two, you'd mentioned that you had a creator-owned book approved. Yo, can you tell us anything about that, or is it still maybe in the works? Is that what sounded super exciting? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I can't tell you anything about that. But I mean, I, 
I still want to do it. Yeah, no, I started writing it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tons of stuff for it. I've got several that I that I'm really interested in doing. I just don't have, especially right now, I don't have the time to even flesh those out as much as I would like to, mm-hmm. um, because I'm I'm perpetually running behind on yeah. uh, absolute carnage. I feel like so uh, those things will see the light of day someday. That's I mean that's the ultimate goal is to own yeah. what you make. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's dope, and we're all super excited for it. What is next? Let's see. Uh, lethal Protector. Um, cannot see the uh, the at, so I apologize. Um, so, what gives you the most motivation? You draw from uh, you draw for a living at such a skill level. What is something you do to keep from? Uh, so it's the same question for earlier: being creative and to not burn out uh, from a fellow artist I, and from an artistic standpoint. Yeah, I can give them an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a briefer answer that it doesn't touch on the storytelling so much. Sure. So I would say that I was much more prone to burnout when drawing was harder. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm in control of what I'm doing and I I really don't feel, I feel like the, so, so I would work so much when I was younger and I didn't have a family yet mm-hmm. or anything. So I would just work around the clock. And there would be times where I was just like, I just can't do this. You know, like I can't keep doing this to myself um, physically. And then those times, I feel like slowly the time in between a burnout period would get longer and longer. Until now, I just don't really feel like I burn out. Like I, if I'm drawing uh, – so – one thing that I do to stay fresh is if I'm drawing a page and I have had a rough day and I, I didn't think that the page was as good as it could have been or something, I'll do some head sketches that, you know, I take commissions and, but you know, you don't have, they don't have to be for commissions. I just tend to only work for money. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, and then I'll draw something and then it's, if it's good, then I'm like, okay, I feel rebalanced. But I mean, I love drawing. Mm-hmm. I don't ever really burn out on that aspect of it. I burn out when um, I feel like people aren't responding to my stuff the way that I want them to, or um, I'm not having the things happen in my career that I want to. So it's all the expectations of other things. But I mean, I could draw, I I think that I only stop drawing because I have a family, honestly, like it's my favorite thing to do. So Mm -hmm. if you are feeling burnout, I would, I would imagine that it's, it's, more to do with your skill level at the time at the moment and the only way to get through the burnout is to um i mean you should take breaks and walk away Mm -hmm. um from it but um you should you should just i mean i just hope that the knowing that someday you won't burn out as much and you won't have that problem and that drawing can just be fun all the time for you is uh you know it's on the horizon so you just got to get there yeah, absolutely. That's how you push through. Sweet. Uh, Pixel Pug, what pens are best for inking? Any inking tips for someone just starting out? What are the most commonly overlooked anatomy hacks when planning out a pose? So I guess first with the inking. All right. Um, so the inking, that's a tough one. Everybody likes to use different things. I like to use uh, like a, I like to use brushes. I like to use nibs. Um, it, I use all these Japanese pens from uh, jetpens.com. You know, Kurataki makes some that are really good. Uh, that's K-U-R-E-T-K-T-A-K-E. Um, I use a, 
uh, Kurataki brush pen, a Pentel brush pen. I'll just use whatever it is that that it will get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really just depends on what type of line you want. Like, you know, um, if you want a very clean sort of Mobius type look or a Arthur Adams type look, you're going to want to use Microns or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, at Mobius, I'm sure used a nib, but I think that Arthur mm-hmm. Adams definitely uses Microns. I know he does. Uh, because those are those are very predictable. Um, the beauty of a brush is that it's unpredictable, and so you get kind of like a lot of happy accidents and stuff like that. So you have to determine what look you want and then, um, and then go from there. So if you like the way that my stuff on Renew Your Vows looked when I inked myself, because I'm not inking myself right now, and I'm not sure what JP uses, honestly. I think mm-hmm. he's using brushes and nibs and everything. But, uh, it, you know, I can only speak to what I used. I That book was all um, Maru Nib and uh, Raphael 8404 brushes um, with, you know, dipping them in ink. Um, but I've used other things on commissions. It, you know, there's really no answer to, no good answer to this. You just got to figure out what you like. Like I said, yeah, figure mm-hmm. out what you like, what you want your stuff to look like and just whatever achieves those results. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, commonly overlooked anatomy hacks when planning out a pose. <laughs> That's, there There aren't any, you know, <laughs> you like. You just got to nail it. Y- well, no, I mean, you don't got to nail it. You got to work it until you figure yeah, it sure. out. Yeah. So, I mean, if that means a photograph, if that means going to the Mike Hampton book that I mentioned earlier with the figuring out the 3D structure of it, whatever it takes, you got to do it. And um, yeah, there's no, there's no hacks. I don't, I, I wouldn't say that I use hacks. I just, uh, I just have all, I have so much information in my head now about figure drawing that mm-hmm. I've accumulated over the years that I just do it. Sweet. Um, let's see. Jonathan Campbell or Campbell, sorry. Uh, if you're completely new to drawing, can you develop the skill from scratch? I don't know. That's a. I saw that question earlier. Now, it's an interesting one. Um, I don't know the answer because I've always drawn. Mm-hmm. I've drawn since I like as long as I can remember. That was like an identifying characteristic of me, was that I drew. So, I don't really know anybody that came into it so late that they, um, and then made it. I mean, most people that I know that draw drew all the time when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I tend to think that, that there's a, um, manual dexterity factor. Like if you can, if you can, if you have really good fine motor skills, it's like, you know, an athlete has really great gross motor skills. Um, there is probably some factor to the fine motor skills that, and and those might be able to be developed, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's definitely, um, taste and all those things go into it, but I don't know. I, I, what I'd like is for this guy to figure it out for me, see if he gets good at it <laughs> and then to, let me know. Yeah. And then, yeah. We'll be able to answer. Then we'll have the answer. <laughs> right. Um, you're, you're the guinea pig, Jonathan. So just, just get into it. And you know what? I mean, I don't, if you give a shit about some kid, uh, from Michigan, uh, whoever, whatever he thinks, I would say, like, I mean, uh, exactly. You, you'll never know until you just do it. I don't think you should mm-hmm. ponder 
uh, you know, can I start from scratch right now? Uh, I think just, just get into it and figure out if you can, instead of, uh, sitting around waiting. I think, uh, obviously, I think when you've done something your whole life, obviously it's easier when you start young, right? And, uh, some of my, uh, musically inclined friends really speak to that. And, uh, obviously learning an instrument is, is different from, from art, uh, or drawing. Um, it, but you know, it's cer certain, just certain parts of your brain, you know, it's a bit easier to pick up skills when you're younger and, and carry them on or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I don't think that means that just because you've never done something doesn't mean that you can't do it or that you'll be bad at it. Right. Um, right. so just give it a go. Uh, it, as long mm -hmm. as you put the, the time, you put the effort and you have the passion for it, I think, uh, you've, and you've got it, you know, you can, you can get into it. Yeah. I mean, I did use the athlete analogy earlier yeah. and there's definitely a, an advantage to this one, which is that, um, to be an athlete the starting point would be to be tremendously in shape. And yeah. this one, you can be grossly out of shape. Hell yeah, brother. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here just like, what is pig? Uh, question for you, Ryan. Almost every artist I know has some part of the human anatomy they hate to draw. Do you have a body part you have trouble drawing the most? And if so, how did you get past it? The foot is <laughs> difficult. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I think that I've gotten it down um, now mostly through the understanding of the three dimensionality of the foot from that Mike Hampton book again. So maybe mm -hmm. that is a more important book than I <laughs> gave it credit for. Um, but yeah, I mean, the foot is the way that it connects to the ground, um, the weight that goes on to it, how much volume is on top of the foot, those things. The, those can really confuse you and uh, you'll you'll tend to see a lot of artists either avoiding feet or stylizing them to a point where you don't even really notice if they're uh if they're wrong or not or sometimes guys just their their characters always look like they're floating yeah and it kind of gives it like a cool ethereal look anyway mm -hmm. so um but you know some of the best artists in the world don't like drawing feet um and i only I, I never I don't think it's that important to know how to draw great feet, but um, it certainly can't hurt. If you think about what you look at when you look at a drawing, you're going to look at the hands, you're going to look at the face, you're going to look at the twisting of the torso against the uh, pelvis and all these cool things. But the last thing you're gonna your eye is going to go to is the feet. Mm -hmm. So they're not <laughs> that important, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, Matt, uh, Matt says, any tips when drawing cities in the background? I mean, know your perspective. You got to know all the way up to the three point. I mean, it couldn't hurt to know the four point curvilinear stuff, but you don't, that's not, you know, your eye s sorts out curvilinear perspective for you. So you don't really see things that way. Uh, so yeah, if you know all, if you can draw it with three vanishing points, um, that's really what you, you need to do. But also, um, I will say, make sure that you do make the detail recede as it gets further away. I think that sometimes guys like wear it as a badge of honor that they draw every single thing, but really atmospheric, atmospheric perspective will make things fade as they go away because of water droplets in the air. Everybody knows that. Jeez. <laughs> Um, but so you don't, 
you don't want to trivialize your image with over detailed stuff that's really far back. You want to find ways to uh, pare that down and um, you know whatever. But yeah, you don't you don't you just got to know how to draw in three dimensional space. And once you get that down, you're good. Uh, Liam Morales has a, a bunch of questions uh, relating to like renew your vows and um, and some of the stuff that you've written uh, along with done the pencils for and everything. Um, and I think we'll, we'll talk mostly about that sort of thing in the, uh, in the storytelling episode. Uh, but I think what I can spin some of these questions into is of course, like, you know, I guess have you found, I'll, I'll ask this, I'll just take this out of there and say, you know, what do you end up preferring? What do you want from a script, uh, when you're about to do pencils for it? And, um, I guess how, how can, uh, how can people improve on interpreting a script and maybe, uh, do you like it better when it's your script um, versus someone else's? Or how does that feel? Um, <clears throat> I think that what you want is a writer that thinks visually. Mm-hmm. Um, a writer who doesn't think visually is going to make your job a lot harder. I don't know how, exactly how to explain what that means, but you know it when you see it where you're like drawing a lot of people standing around and nothing really interesting happening. Mm-hmm. So you then you have to start finding ways to make it look interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like I said in the previous episodes, that's kind of what I love about Donnie's stuff is how visually, as soon as I read it, I can see it. Yeah. Um, so basically what I want is Donnie's scripts. <laughs> uh, when I write them for myself, uh, I enjoy that, but uh, and I and I enjoy that from the standpoint where you can go really like hog wild with storytelling, yeah. and you you see it three dimensionally, and you can. Um, but there's something that feels like almost like you're cheating. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like because I can just half-ass uh, you know the script. This you're wasn't. Like, I know how I'm gonna draw it already, so I don't need to. Write yeah, you're that gonna book. end up. Yeah, you're gonna end up writing it to your strengths mm-hmm. and cutting out any weaknesses so you, you might end up having trouble expanding your abilities because you're like ah well i know you know i don't feel like drawing that today mm-hmm. uh, although I, I definitely don't write crowds into a scene for myself uh but i do like i mean i like both aspects but you know right now i'm enjoying working with a writer so it's kind of you know might I'll probably do more of both, but I actually I really enjoy writing scripts for other people. I think that's really fun. Sweet. Chris Favaza says, uh, best tricks to multiple character interactions in a drawing. I've always had some trouble making them look like they are fully interacting. Um that's I mean, overlap mm-hmm. is probably the key that he's getting at there. A lot of guys, especially early on, and you can see this in my work too. Um, you avoid overlap. You avoid things touching each other. And the, the thing you don't want to do, because you're, you're afraid of tangents or you're afraid of, you're afraid. You're just mm-hmm. <laughs> fearful because mm-hmm. you're like, I don't think I know what I'm doing. But the number one way to make your stuff look confident, in my opinion, is to confidently overlap things. So rather than avoiding a tangent where you try to keep two things f- separate from each other, you want to um, make them overlap in a way that's extreme, you know, so that you're making a shape in the end. And it might take you a little bit of time to get that down, but um, you, 
that's how you do it. And um, they that will sort of separate the space, separate them spatially so you know who's in front of who and where they are mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, it, you know, like it's kind of, it sounds easy. It's not very easy. Um, but, you know, you just got to keep going for it and trying to do it until um, until you get comfortable with it. And uh, when you do, people will, def- like you definitely come across as more of a professional and more... Uh, more like you're in control of the of your craft. DIA uh, has some questions here. Um, some uh, aspects that we've already touched on just a little bit. I think it's worth expanding on, though. Um, how long should creating a comic page take if you are not a full-time creator or still in school? An issue? Well, you know, once again, I, I kind of answered that before, but you, there's no real answer. You just got to do it until it's good. And an issue... I think it, it takes as long as you need it to take. I, I used to, I mean, even if you just draw for, if you're in school or you you have a full-time job, mm-hmm. uh, I used to try to find like, you know, three three to five hours a week that I could draw in, in college. Just, you know, just take that time and you'd be amazed what you end up accomplishing yeah. uh, over time. There's no real reason to compare yourself to professionals uh, because I do this every day. Like, I, I've i gotten fast because I do it all the time. So there's no answer. Just draw it until it's how you want it. Nice. That's all there is to it. Uh, how, to, how to make text, text boxes, and text balloons. Any tips for that? No. I mean... <laughs> Sick. I don't do that. Yeah, so. no, totally. <laughs> I don't know how to. I mean, I know how to hand letter, I guess, mm-hmm. and and I draw my own sound effects, but I'd, I've never put in a word balloon myself in my life. Um, what's the best way to figure out worms slash bird's eye view? That's from uh, Frigid Giant or Frigid. That's Giant. another one. You're gonna have to use reference uh, or. Just build the figure three-dimensionally um, using all the information you have at your disposal because it definitely t- takes a long time to get, but certainly understanding perspective makes it infinitely easier. But if you're talking about, like, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm answering this as though he's talking only about figures, but if you're talking about just, like, buildings or something, then, you know, you learn three-point perspective and you're off to the races, but... With a figure, even knowing perspectives, those can be very difficult. So you can avoid them <laughs> or you can find reference. There's all kinds of reference. I mean, you got Google Images at your fingertips. You can figure it out. Some other ones that are just uh, sort of loosely related. Um, what is the one? Uh, this is Jesse James. Hey, Jesse James listens to our show. Uh, what is the one character that you would be happy to never have to draw for a fan again? Well, he's on my sketch list right now. Galactus. <laughs> Robbie Thompson, shout out. Uh, writer Robbie Thompson's always trying to get me to draw Galactus. Uh, I think because he knows that it's really difficult. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a tough one. Uh, Iron Man's kind of tough too because it's just all technical. Yeah, got a lot of intricacies um, there. Yeah, so one of those two. Um, I think that's going to do us for the Twitter questions right now, folks. Thanks so much for sending those in. And like I said, um, you know, always stay tuned to uh, our Twitter 
our Twitter page at Stegman Show and of course Ryan's to see uh, whenever we need help, whenever we need questions from folks, stay tuned to that. Um, another way that you can get in touch with this show is if you email us, stegmanandfriends at gmail.com. We've got a couple of emails that we're going to get to uh, right now, um, mostly pertaining to, of course, uh, the stuff we covered in episode one and episode two, um, and some other stuff here. Uh, up first, it's from our good friend, Gemma. Gemma is back, everybody. Gemma! Uh, <laughs> firstly, you were right on the money about the MS, uh, or you were right on the money about the MS Paint style art, so that thing with the, the rocks... And what it meant, we were right, so we're good. Um, okay. <laughs> based on it's based on a comment that Donnie made. Um, she says, "I don't have too much this week in terms of fan art. Just a few bits of uh, of stuff below. But I really enjoyed hearing all the answers you had this week to everyone's questions and all your feedback. I wait next week with uh, supreme eagerness. And until then, I hope you enjoy. Well, hey, thanks, Gemma. Of course, as always, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, she also says, P.S. If you tell me the secrets to absolute carnage, I promise not to tell anyone. So, a winky face." We gotta come over. We all have to come over to Ryan's office and, and learn about Absolute Carnage and sign uh, an NDA, and then we'll be good. Yeah, I'll tell you about it after it comes out. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. On this podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Um, <laughs> she's got so many great pieces of fan art here. So I love this first one. This first one is a, a book cover, and it's uh, The Origin of Species uh, by Donny Cates with an introduction by Ryan Stegman. And it's the the Signet Classics right there. That book cover is incredible. It's got our it's got our art in there. It's got Venom. It's got fourteen year old me on there. Love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one is the cover for Venom, uh, but it's got a nice a little a little tack on sticker. Uh, Venom number one with epic pirate tale uh, included. Of course, that's referencing that epic pirate tale um, in the middle of Watchmen. Hashtag better than Watchmen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Venom Presents. We got this awesome one. This is the Venom logo with some wine and Tic Tacs. Of course, the um, the snacks of choice of our gentleman here on the show. Um, of course, Ryan. Ryan, what's the kind, what, what kind of wine do you like to enjoy when you're podcasting? Uh, I think I was drinking 19 Crimes Pinot Noir. Nice. That night. Nice pick. Yeah. And of course, Donnie's already talked about which Tic Tacs he enjoys. Fruit flavors, not that mint shit. Get out of here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, He's right about that. Absolutely. Um, quick, quick. Can we get a consensus? I'm going to say orange. I think orange is my favorite. They got the fruit medleys mm-hmm. are right. Um, I don't even know what. The orange other, is the best. Orange for is sure. the best one, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. Uh, here's a wonderful piece of uh, Venom number one meeting Watchmen, and Venom number one is wearing this nice name tag that says, Hello, I'm better than you. That's <laughs> 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 oh, great. And then this one, I don't She sent us uh, one for Spider Man Rewind as well. Uh, this one is Venom, but it's over Wolverine's body from the animated series where he's stroking this picture of Jean Grey, but it's Robin from Titans. Um, Gemma, let us know what the Robin from t- Titans bit is. Uh, I think we said something about Robin in the last episode. <laughs> I may be, it, it may be uh, uh, a nod to, we were talking about uh, not having access to the, the DC uh, Universe app. Um, and so maybe that's Venom longing to get those sweet passwords, baby. Send over the passwords, DC. Um, and uh, that is everything that she's got for us this week. Thank you, as always, Gemma. Um, and, uh, folks look out for some of that on the, the Instagram and the Twitter. Okay. 
Alex Bender, he's back. He had one from uh, from last week as well. It's Bender again. I just listened to the second episode of the podcast and had a few questions come to mind while listening. After hearing Donnie talk about how great Ryan's Spider-Man looks in Absolute Carnage, I wanted to know what Ryan's favorite piece of his, uh, of his work are that I should check out. Uh, I think you both pair great together, and since finding your Venom run, I have gone back to read some of Donnie's earlier stuff and was looking for suggestions of which of the books that Ryan has worked on that I should check out to see more of his work. All, all of them? All of them. I mean, yeah, if you want to see a progression of me over time, I mean, you don't have to start with Midnight Kiss or anything, but you could go to, uh, maybe just start with Scarlet Spider. Scarlet Spider. Good, uh, good place to start. Absolutely, because not only are, uh, are Ryan's pencils incredible on there, but Chris Yost, uh, killing the game with that book. God damn it, I loved that book uh, so much, and it was really heartbroken uh, when it ended. It's got 25 beautiful Ryan Stegman covers, um, and Kane is a dope character and uh yeah. and him and yost uh you, you guys really you guys really just took the character and just made it, uh, his own little world over there and that was so fun to read well thank you yeah um scarlet spider i love i i like anytime i'm working in the spider universe so you know i did superior spider-man scarlet spider rainier vows venom mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh you know those are the biggies What's next, Bender? What do you got? Uh, I also wanted to ask a question to Ryan and Donnie. Well, Donnie's not here. Sorry, but <laughs> for the next Venom Boys episode of the podcast related to Absolute Carnage, I really love the look of the symbiote language that comes in the first issue, which you guys went into more detail on uh, in the first episode. I was wondering if there was going to be more of it used throughout any more of Venom and during Absolute Carnage. I'd love to see what Carnage, uh, like quote-unquote Carnage, or quote, God is Carnage, looks like written like this. Can you say anything to that, Ryan? I don't, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a time that we use it, but we probably will. Nope. Just a side question. Does Donnie have a count on all of his Pantera references in his books? I just read the one about the iPod and Ghost Fleet and the character uh, uh, Pantera Dactyl in Buzzkill. Does he have a count? I don't, yeah. I don't he? know. He's on an airplane. <laughs> we'll call him or whatever. We'll get in there. Uh, yeah. Sorry for all the questions this time around. Loving the podcast and the commentary. Rock on. Bender like the robot. Hey, listen, man. Never apologize about how many questions. We love hearing from you guys. Are you kidding me? The more questions, the better. Thanks so much for, for listening and emailing in, man. Uh, this one is from Austin Chandler. It says, hey, guys. My name is Austin Chandler. And I just wanted to write in and say how much I have enjoyed listening to the first couple episodes of the podcast. Thanks, bud. We've enjoyed making them. Uh, the laid-back vibe and creative insight into one of my favorite comic books currently, referring to Venom, has been a great way to further deepen my appreciation of all that Don, uh, Ryan, Donnie, and the whole Venom squad do. Keep it up in these podcasts. Uh, keep it up with these podcasts, and I am looking forward to listening to these weekly. Also, I heard y'all were looking at potential having someone write some music for the podcast, and I was hoping to throw my hat into the ring for that. Attached is a couple of pieces I've been working on that are in an epic metal classical style. I figured one of them might be good enough to be a candidate for a quote Venom Boys theme. Hope you dig them and let me know if there are any other vibes you might want some tracks for, and I'd love to try and supply some. Venomaniacs for life, hashtag better than Watchmen. <laughs> Austin All Chandler. Right. Um, I've been... <laughs> I assume you'll you'll play that for me at some point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, like we said last episode, uh, we've been getting so many awesome submissions for uh, 
for themes, uh, and we, we unfortunately, uh, Ryan's obviously very busy, and you know what? Fuck it. I'm busy too, all right? I got shit going on. <laughs> um, and so we haven't quite still been able to uh, to sit down. Maybe, maybe at the beginning of this episode, maybe we'll find some time um, before we hang up at the end of today to, uh, to figure something out. I don't out. think so. We won't. So get <laughs> fucked, everybody submitting music. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much for sending them in. Eventually, we're gonna we're gonna have time to figure it out. Yeah, I do appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously, so we've got those those episodes with Donnie are labeled Venom Boys, um, and that just goes back to a whole mess of us trying to figure out what the hell to call this show for ages. And Venom yeah. Boys, we thought was gonna be it, and we referred to it as such during the recording of that episode and then we were like it's not a venom podcast we can't do that um yeah and so uh, a lot of people with suggestions that are all like yeah metal like venom i totally agree with that and so when the venom boys episodes roll around i'll get into the, all that metal stuff but you know what for sure what's the what would we say is the vibe of the show otherwise are we quirky are we informative what what, what are uh, like we? circus music <laughs> just yeah with that uh, I don't know what, what we I, uh, something fun. That's that's yeah, that's, something that's fun, something yeah, something we don't that get too dark. Um, something that you know, because metal can can be like this. Something that you know, if you press play on the episode and forgot that you had your volume up higher than you'd like, and then some like something started playing. Nothing that's going to like ruin people's <laughs> day, like, right? With how loud. Yeah. So like, you don't want some metal track to just blow blow open the doors on the on the episode um yeah for sure it's called venom boys in that case mm -hmm. what did you expect um that's all the emails we got uh for this week so thank you so much guys for for sending those in um like i said if you want us to uh to read out some of your correspondence on the show you can email us at stegman and friends at gmail.com um you can also follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at Stegman Show. Keep an eye on that for all your updates and behind-the-scenes stuff uh, on the show. And finally, we're uh, we're expanding. We're getting the show approved by all these services. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. You we're can, so close to Spotify. We're so close to Spotify. Two, three more episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, actually, so I think, Ethan, is it at five we can go or after five? At five. At so five. Uh, two weeks from the time that you guys will probably be hearing this, we'll uh, we'll be able to say we're on Spotify. So we're getting there. Thanks so much for everyone that's waiting for that. Um, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, we'll read that on the show as well. I haven't uh, checked. I don't know if we have any. And it's fine. We'll get to it next week if we do. Um, <laughs> but uh, otherwise... Okay. Uh, just uh, look into us on, on all those and of course if you have somebody that you think would enjoy the show tell them about the show Stegman and his amazing friends it's a great podcast it's the best podcast tell everybody about yeah. it um, <laughs> uh, better than cereal <laughs> another contender for the title that I was so into um, yeah <laughs> otherwise that's going to wrap us up for, uh, for another episode um, like I said, I've been your host, uh, Griffin Sheridan, and uh, I am one of the producers on the show with my good buddy Ethan. He's sitting here being the best Rewind boy possible, making sure we don't sound like shit. We do another podcast. It's called Spider-Man Rewind. You can find uh, me at Griff Sheridan. He's at Tales to Astonish, and our show is at Spidey Rewind. Check it out if you like Spider-Man. It's pretty good. Um, Ryan, I always take this time to uh, to suck my own dick about my podcast. Do you have anything you want to <laughs> anything you want to plug, my dude? Anything you've been watching, uh, reading? You want to recommend? No. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
people, I guess people on Saturday will hear this. We're going to have Scotty next week. Sweet. Scotty Young. Wonderful. Uh, we can say that, I, I believe. Cool. Uh, we've, we've had little trouble nailing him down, but it's not, you know, we, we kind of sprung it on him. So He's just out there Scotty's drawing so uh, many baby variant covers. And it's right. Middle West. We can't even get him. <laughs> yeah, so he he's one of my closest friends in in the world for you know like a decade now mm. so uh we're gonna have him on and we're gonna talk middle west and all that stuff so Check that um, out. i'm plugging our own podcast on our podcast right now <laughs> hell yeah uh but yeah go ahead follow me on all the social media stuff ryan stegman on everything just all one word sweet hey that's the end of episode three um thanks so we much. did it thanks so much for listening everybody um that's it and and as we say at the end of every episode um, absolute carnage is coming out and it's going to be sick <laughs> yeah that's the new the new closing phrase of the show um, it might be a little uh, a little winded but it's fine because it's true it's perfect sweet thanks for listening everybody we'll catch you next week Okay. <laughs> okay. My inspiration is uh, dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching, baby. Yeah. Eight, that eight million units. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. <laughs> this guy's asking, how do I draw myself with big, strong muscles, Ryan? Um, you just... Uh, you start by working out for 12 hours a week. And then um, you, after about two years, you take a photo of yourself and then you trace it. <laughs> and that's the easy way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me just see if there were any that I was missing. Here, just a Oh, couple. and take steroids too. That's right. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Always performance enhancers really going to, you know, if you want to speed up right. that timeline. Definitely go for that sort of thing. <laughs> just a just a quick endorsement for steroids, real quick. Yeah, <laughs> we're sponsored by steroids today. <laughs> we would like to thank this episode's sponsor, <laughs> steroids. Use our promo code, getting jacked with Ryan for ten yeah. bucks off your first order of steroids. <laughs> um, Not related, but somebody said, can Donny Cates stop talking with shit in his mouth on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, he's he's constantly chewing on shit. I don't know what to tell no, you. No, it's the Tic Tacs, baby. Tic Tacs make the Donnie train run. Oh, shit. I was thinking like literal feces. <laughs> he's got shit in his mouth. Oh, man. He's, he, he felt that all the way down under right now. He was just like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, ouch. <laughs>